On behalf of the people and clergy of St. Luke's Church, I welcome you and wish you a Merry Christmas. Occasions like this, particularly the great days and seasons, are always reminders that God meets us wherever we find ourselves on our spiritual pilgrimage. And remember the Savior, those who heard his works and saw his mighty deeds and heard his words knew that they were being invited on the way, on the pilgrimage, to a deeper and fuller understanding of God's will and purpose for them. The Episcopal Church is a liturgical church, which is a fancy way of saying that it has set patterns of worship. Just so you know, you can can amaze your friends if you tell them this. The origin of the church year uh, has two cycles. The first cycle was Lent, Easter, Pentecost. And the second cycle is Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, in that order. And that's how they came to us. And our interest in having a liturgical year is understanding something about what is called the sanctification of time and its importance for you and I as we live, those of us who seek to know more fully and more deeply God's will and purpose for us, believe ultimately if we begin even for a nanosecond to get some idea about what that might mean, know somehow that our own personal history is tied up with God's plan for the cosmos. I use the term cosmos rather than world because it's a better word. It's a Greek word which means the opposite of chaos. It means orderliness. Also, in some places, the word cosmos is used in Greek to mean ornament. And I always think on Christmas when I speak about the affirmations that I will in just a moment that we affirm also that you and I are part of God's ornament for the cosmos. We make a difference in big and small ways. You make a difference in big and small ways in God's plan for the cosmos. Every year on Christmas and through the 12 days of Christmas, I talk at least sometime about what I believe are the great affirmations of this season what Christmas means. You know, for Episcopalians, for Anglican Christians, Christmas is a very important festival. I hate to say this, but for many, uh, it may even eclipse Easter. And yet Easter is the principal festival of the Christian year. But for English Christians, which is the origin of our tradition as Episcopalians, Christmas is uh, hallowed by usage for sure but it also has some deep meaning because we believe that God has done four things on Christmas. God has affirmed four things. The goodness of our humanity, the ability that each of us has to achieve the highest of our human potential, the possibility that every human being can be joyful and be a transparency and reflection of God's joyful love in the world, and that you and I, after having the knowledge of those three things, 
are called to be ambassadors for peace. The shalom of God. In Genesis it says, God made the world and was satisfied and called it good. And by extension, we believe as part of that creation that we are loved, accepted, and forgiven unconditionally by God, and that God affirms and believes in the basic goodness of every human being. And that means that you and I, as we live, need to also be advocates for that being the default position about how we see our fellow human beings, even when it doesn't appear to be uh, something that would be wise. But you and I are here to say that we believe in the goodness of humanity. When we say that we can achieve the highest of our human potential, the early Christians and the writers of the biblical witness believed that in Jesus they saw a human being who had achieved the highest of his human potential. Tomorrow and on Sunday we're going to read from the great testimony of that in the Bible, John's Gospel, the introduction, the Johannine Prologue. And in the Johannine Prologue, we will see that for the writer of John's Gospel, in this man's words and in this man's works, we have seen words and works indistinguishable from the words and works of God. And it was not for us merely watching some tableau, but he gave each of us tools that we can use in order to do this, to cooperate with our basic goodness, to cooperate with the divine initiative begun in us, and to make a difference in the world. This festival is God's yes to humanity. Joyfulness for the Christian person is the growing steady assurance that the uncertainties and ambiguities and conundrums of your life can come into surer and clearer focus as you live. And those things that may have appeared baffling to you initially will now become clearer. You have to put yourself in a position to receive this you have to make a decision to live a life of some intention. And by virtue of that, you will begin to see that it is possible now to be joyful. That clarity of purpose, that clarity of how to proceed, that clarity in communication is all important with regard to how we relate one to another. This isn't just some internal navel-gazing exercise that we're talking about. It's equipping ourselves to be able to bring healthy relationship to all the relationships that we have. You know, we heard in the epistle from Titus today about God saving us. You hear a lot about that in, in Christianity. I'm bound to tell you that in most Christian traditions, uh, for the first certainly uh, 1,000 or 1,200 years, the message was not what it has been for the last 800 or so, and that is almost entirely negative. We are saved from sin, sickness, and death. 
We're saved from ourselves. We're saved from our hopelessness. We're saved from blowing it in the Garden of Eden. The early church said all of us are saved too. The possibility of newness of life, the possibility of transformation, the possibility of making a difference, of being God's people in the world and making it real in history, not going to some cloud cuckoo land place where we will all of a sudden discover what it means to be saved. If you read save, the word in Hebrew, or in Greek, which is what the Bible was written in, the Hebrew scriptures were written in Hebrew and the, and the New Testament was written in Greek, the word to save also means to heal. So God's restorative, reconciling, healing purposes are at work. Christmas is the festival par excellence to proclaim that great and powerful truth to the world. And so if there, for no other reason, the possibility of being joyful seems to be a great idea to me. You know, peacefulness is not merely just the absence of war. When the churches proclaimed the importance of peace, of being peacemakers, this should be understood in more than one way. The first way, uh, and I hesitate to do this because of the culture that we live in, usually defaults to this, which is the internal subjective, emotional, spiritual, and uh, mental states that we find ourselves in and wish to get cleared up, right? But when we speak about God's peace, we mean that that peace is what is brought to bear on those aspects of our human character and does, in fact, bring some sense of serenity, some sense of peacefulness, and some sense of empowerment. And by virtue of that, we understand the more global and important understanding of being a peacemaker. Jesus, of course, would have used the word shalom, which is a word that is far more powerful than the English word peace. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. Wouldn't you like to be an instrument of at least one of those things? Even on the great knock-down and drag-out we call the family Christmas dinner? <laughs> you begin to think that the being a peacemaker or any of this stuff is just about the heroic aspects of, of living. Think again. Because for most of us, God comes in the ordinary and the commonplace. And God comes to us in ways that we can make a difference, often in very small ways, in our own most immediate circle. And often we have the, most, the greatest lessons to learn about how we act within our own immediate circle. And by virtue of that, we learn something about how we ought to think and act globally. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, We are ambassadors for Christ since... God is making his appeal through us. So this week, 
during the great 12 days of Christmas, I've said this to you, some of you many times before, Christmas is 12 days long. It isn't just today. I can remember as a little kid going over to people's house, Christmas presents get opened up, they're all done on Christmas, and somebody says, well, that's it. Christmas is over for another year. Whereupon somebody like my grandfather would say, don't burn any of those envelopes in the fireplace. Your mother burned a $20 bill up when she was a kid by throwing it in there. Look in all those envelopes. So we got ourselves refocused, right, on the issues that were really important. <laughs> Christmas is 12 days long. It's a period of reflection about the nature of God becoming a human being, about the great affirmation of who you are as uh, unconditionally accepted, loved, and forgiven, that your basic goodness is the default position that you should always know when you're a little worried about your behavior, or about whether or not people like you, or whether or not you think you can make a difference in the world. So as we continue during the great 12 days, remember that we're good. The God made the cosmos and called it good. That we can achieve the highest of our human potential. That those things that are puzzling to you are gonna become more clear if you apply yourself. And finally, by virtue of that, become an ambassador for peace because God is making his appeal through you. Amen.